0: Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Florina Montanesco discussing everything about Kotlin and Android and the recent announcements and Kotlin everywhere. Hi, Florina. How are you?
1: Hi. Thank you for having me. And congrats on the pronunciation. Really nice uh, way of saying my, my name. I know it's complicated.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I mean, considering that I... I messed up where you were born. I, I think at least I could get your name right. And, and by the way, how is your how is uh, your home country, Italy? I'm... <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Romanian. Yeah, And
0: uh,
1: yeah, hardly thought I'm Italian at one point. But okay. I'll get that and, and I take it as a compliment. Sorry.
0: Okay, but you got to admit that Florina does sound like an Italian name as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true.
0: Right. I mean, the, the, there's a guy on my team called Florin who, guess where he's from? Romania. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I mean, I could have thought about like, you know, Florine, Florina. N- never mind. Anyway. So, yeah, I, I, but I can pronounce like, oh, there's no tomorrow. So, how are you doing? How is the post uh, IO, post conferences, post Droid stress?
1: It's uh, good. It feels like it's been forever ago, given uh, how many things we've been doing since, especially on Kotlin.
0: Yes. You said that Android is Kotlin first. Yes. What does that mean?
1: Uh, can I go a little bit back to 2017? Because that's when we actually announced that uh, Kotlin is a first-class uh, language uh, for Android. And actually, slowly since then, we've been doing quite a lot of things to to support Kotlin. So from a better intro with Android Studio, like Kotlin plugin being part of Android Studio with like all sorts of like link checks and refactoring supports, Um, But then we also went towards uh, making sure that the Android SDK is Kotlin-friendly. Because we really want to make sure that if you're um, a developer working on Android in Kotlin, uh, the Android uh, SDK also is as Kotlin-friendly as possible. So we added all of these like uh, nullability checks, for example, for a lot of the Android SDKs. But apart from this, um, also we've, uh, we've added a series of um, KTX libraries. So these are sort of extensions to um, either the Android framework or to different libraries that just help you, I don't know, make your development uh, app development in Kotlin sweeter. So for example, the, the core KTX provides all sorts of uh, functionalities uh, on top of the Android framework. Like, I don't know, to give you one example, um, if you want to add two colors, instead of just using the color utils um, API, you can just do color one plus color two. So you have that operator overloading that that Kotlin enables. Um, But uh, yeah, so all of that support for uh, SDKs, it's one thing. But then uh, we have a series of libraries in android uh specifically the architecture components ones that ended up adding support for kotlin as well so um for example um uh, room one of the database or the database libraries and one of my favorite libraries in architecture components also has support for uh, suspend queries by so the way you...
0: just what does room stand for
1: oh um it doesn't stand for anything
0: no, it's, a, it's kind of like an orm right it's a data access layer or something right
1: yeah it would come from that or from what i i wasn't there when the name was set um but uh yeah it's a it's a layer over sqlite which right. is an or, or, or yeah, but uh yeah. i'm not sure why they called it room but um okay i just I thought like
0: it was a play on orms or something like that okay never mind uh,
1: it's great for puns
0: yeah i guess <laughs>
1: Uh, for example, in Room, we open the door to coroutines as well.
0: Oh, 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 God! Uh, yes, ne- next. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, if you want to st- stop here, uh, I'll try to stop here with the bad ones. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So, for example, if you wanna, if you're doing a query, um, and you want to run this inside a coroutine, now we just expose the queries as suspend functions. So it's all of that. Easy interrupt that you would also expect from these kind of APIs. Um, yeah, and it's it's not just that. Like also for Work Manager, another library that allows you to do um, deferred background tasks, we have support for coroutines. Yeah, and more. I don't want to list all the libraries.
0: Coming back to Room for a second, that you said you have support for suspend functions. So a lot of people, you know, when they're using coroutines, they they kind of assume that that suddenly adds some magic. And then if I'm calling a blocking library that because I have a coroutine uh, suspend function, it solves all problems, right? And yet you really need to have uh, a library that has support for um, non-blocking calls, whether it's NIO Mm -hmm. or whatever. So are you saying that Room has that support?
1: Yeah, so we also, um, so in general, broom tries to uh, to ensure that uh, you can do uh, queries asynchronously and away from the main thread so for example also with suspend functions uh there is let's say some magic under the hood that also ensures that it uh, switches context and uh, and things are happening away from the from the main uh, dispatcher okay you, st- you are given that it's a suspend function it means that you still need to at one point somewhere higher on the um in your app to do a coroutine dot uh, sorry, uh, a dot launch.
0: Okay. So essentially, you're starting to add a whole bunch of stuff that is for Kotlin. Yeah. Yeah. So, what does that mean for people that are not using Kotlin, such as, you know, using another language, such as Java, for instance?
1: Um, it doesn't mean anything necessarily for them uh, because. Um, we are not um, we are not stopping supporting uh, any Java programming language features. So, for example, in in the case of Room, um, if you don't care about coroutines, then you just won't use a suspend query. You would just use any other um, kind of queries. Um, so, we just try to provide some extra functionality for um, for developers.
0: So let's and make that- it and make it a little bit more friendly towards Kotlin, like uh, not yeah. friendly, kind of more more idiomatic Kotlin, take advantage of so, m- much of the features of Kotlin to provide a better experience, so to speak, yeah. right?
1: Or that's in general what we, we wanted to do. But uh, this year, uh, getting back to your initial question 10 minutes ago, uh, we thought we are going uh, Kotlin first. So this means that we also go, we want to go to the next level. So not just provide Kotlin-friendly APIs, but maybe even more uh, building libraries in, um, in Kotlin. So actually, I don't know um, if, your listeners actually played around or s- checked out the implementation of Room. But for example, some of the compiler-related things were already r- written in Kotlin from the beginning. So we were already, let's say, going towards that uh, Kotlin-first approach. But now we're, we're doing this even more at the, let's say, API surface level and building also more. Or we'll try to build more um, libraries in Kotlin directly. but. To get back to your question on Java, if you're a Java programming language uh, developer, because it's Kotlin and it compiles the JVM, you will still be able to use uh, the libraries even if uh, they're written in Kotlin.
0: One question also that people ask me, of course, as a consequence of this, is: Should I port my existing application over to Kotlin, or can I continue to develop in Java? What is the general, I mean, I know what I answer them. But I'm wondering, like, what would you say if someone came up to you and asked you that?
1: I think that as an app developer, what matters is what you're building, right? If um, I don't know, especially if you're in a startup, then um, building those features is what matters. So I would say from a practical point of view, I don't think that uh, developers need to right now Completely convert their uh, um, apps in in Kotlin. They need to think about what's relevant to their business. But uh, saying this, I think if you're, I know, building new features or as you're touching new, uh, as you're touching files, uh, those are the times to go towards Kotlin, and embrace Kotlin and the, all the benefits it brings.
0: Yeah, so pretty much aligned here because I I kind of say the same thing, right? You know, if you don't see any specific value from a business perspective or even from a technical perspective to convert your stuff over to Kotlin, there's no need to do it right now. You know, you can do it as and when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and that brings me to another question, which is also something that a lot of people are asking. And sorry that this is this is a I usually don't do Android shows. This is kind of like my first really, really specific Android show, which is crazy, <laughs> right? But anyway, so also a lot of people say kind of you know, I mean, I'm not an Android developer, which I've already said like a thousand times, but just in case someone randomly decides to be this the first episode they listen to, so I don't know much about all of the different options that have been offered. In Android to deal with non-blocking code, but again, there are folks that say, "Oh well, I'm doing—I uh, don't know what was it—a sync,
1: async tasks.
0: A sync tasks. Then you had the Rx. Then you were recommending this other solution. Then you're doing this, and now you're coming to me and saying coroutines. What am I meant to do? Like again, should I jump? onto coroutines or can I continue to use what I was doing? Or should I convert new products, projects that I work on? Should I use coroutines? What is the general consensus there?
1: Um, I think now this is what uh, what we're recommending, uh, coroutines to be the way to go. Um, of course, yeah, there are so many ways of uh, doing uh, background work in in Android. Um, I'm hoping people are not using async tasks anymore, uh, but we also have like the, the usual runnables, let's say, um, RxJava support. Uh, but uh, I think I like RxJava and I, I used it before in production. Um, my fear there is that a lot of times people tend to to abuse RxJava. Java it's it's really an amazing API and it's so powerful, but uh, it tended to be used just to do something on a background thread um, and not really use that at the full power, whereas coroutines, if this is what you want just to do something on a background thread, then that's easy to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, essentially, you know, when we were talking about RX, a lot of times, outside of the Android world, it was always about infinite amount of data that you have to observe, that you have to act on, And that got ported over to, oh, essentially mouse clicks and and movements and and fingers and and buttons are also considered infinite amounts of data. So I could use that to to work with, um, you know, async tasks, right? So to speak.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But um, so coroutines are the way to go for us. Uh, But that doesn't mean that we're completely forgetting about developers that are not using um core teams. so for example i'll i'll take Room as well. Uh, we also have support for RxJava, or for Work Manager, we have support for listenable features, which are part of Guava. So we do try to cater for developers that uh, um, don't use the latest, uh, the latest and the coolest APIs, let's say. Um, but uh, definitely, a lot of the stuff that we were we are thinking in terms of like how to do background work um, in Android is based on Coroutines.
0: And as yourself that's experienced many of these technologies, where do you put coroutines? Do you think that it's as simple as the promise was?
1: So you're saying what? Uh, how uh, easy are coroutines promised? Yeah, to I make? mean,
0: you know, when we initially came out with coroutines, there was this promise of a uh, promise, no pun intended there. Promise, mm-hmm. uh, okay, never mind. Um, there was this promise that in the future, that, just a second pun there okay, I'm going to stop. Uh, there was this idea that, you know, it's going to be a small API, surface API, it's going to be much simpler for you to think about how you do background tasks, uh, how you do non blocking uh, operations, than some of the other solutions. Mm-hmm. And so, we all know that the, the coroutines API have somewhat evolved, right? We've gone into the scope area and, and, and mm-hmm. things. So how do you feel about it overall?
1: Yeah that's exactly what I wanted to bring out the the coroutine scope. So um, <clears throat> what we've added um, in in view models so in in android if you when you are architecting your app you would have your UI layer, so the part where you're actually displaying things. And then um, you would need to, I don't know, have some data that you need to display. So a place where you're computing that uh, UI logic, and then that UI logic is computed based on some business logic and so on. So that place where you're computing that uh, business logic, that's something that you would do probably in a view model. So, the view model would directly talk to the UI, and we decided that's the place where um, you would actually launch your coroutines. So, the view model now also um, supports this coroutine scope. So, this means that how I'm trying to architect my APIs is like this. From the UI, I know that everything that's happening in the UI needs to be on the UI layer. But then the view model, because it also survives things like um, rotation or other configuration changes, this is the one that will hold the coroutine scope. So the view model is the one that launches the coroutine. And then from there on, I know that everything that's happening, no matter how um, extensive, how um, heavy it is, is gonna happen away from the main thread. So if I'm talking about computing some, I don't know, B- heavy business logic or doing things about with the database or with the networking layer. I know that those things are away from the main thread because the view model is the one that decided that or that, that launched the coroutine. So what um, I've done is sort of a, a rule is uh, in the view model. This is the place where we're launching the coroutine and everything else is just suspension functions. And only in specific cases where we need maybe a smaller, I don't know a short coroutine to be created to do some other background tasks that's not related to the ui that's when i would launch another coroutine in my app
0: okay and this is all guidance that is available like with with sample applications and tutorials that, that people can follow
1: yes that's that's exactly um so we're talking about the view model coroutine scope um i think also in our uh, developer.android.com documentation, but also I think uh, pretty much all of our samples that cover coroutines or work with coroutines also have the the view model coroutine scope. And uh, we actually have a code lab on how to work with coroutines um, in Android that's following exactly this pattern.
0: And what about testability? How have you found that in comparison to some of the other solutions? Because I know that Sean, that's also on the DevRel team, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Has been doing some stuff around that.
1: Um, for me, the, the part when I'm just exposing a, a suspend function, that's great. Cause I can just unit test that, uh, I think a bit more, the complicated part appears when you're starting to work with, uh, with dispatchers, but I do know that we have several ways of, uh, of handling this with the test dispatcher and, and others.
0: And going back to my question, then having experienced all three, where would you sit right now?
1: Um, all three, you mean like RxJava async tasks and, and
0: and coroutines, yeah.
1: For me, coroutines win hands down just because of how easy it is to work with them, and because of all of this support that we have uh, for them in um, in all the the libraries that we're building. It just makes development so much easier and so smooth.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I want to go back a little bit to what we're talking about Kotlin first. Mm-hmm. and some of the libraries that you mentioned, and, I, and we don't want to get too deep into this, right? Because, I mean, this is going to take up an episode of itself. But obviously, one of the libraries that you also mentioned at I.O. was Compose, right? Jetpack Compose. So can you just give a brief overview of what that is and, and what the state of it is?
1: Sure. Um, so Compose, it's an let's say, an unbundled UI library, and uh, it's using a a custom Kotlin compiler plugin. Um, There was a talk at I.O. that explains things much more in depth uh, about how to build declarative uh, UI patterns or what's the mindset uh, behind Jetpack Compose. Um, What's important, so this is all built um, in, public on AOSP. Um, And you'll see that it's built in Kotlin. So this is what I was talking about with building new things in Kotlin, of going um, Kotlin first on Android. Um, Yeah, Uh, so what's the status right now? Um, It's not in alpha. Actually, right now, you don't even have a way to actually get the artifact. So if you want to play around with with it, uh, you would need to actually. Get the AOSB and get the the um, uh, compose um set of libraries and compile them yourself. We do provide the information on how to do this um, on our developer.android.com website. Um so I would say it's for now work in progress. We we are definitely working on it.
0: Yeah, and there's a Slack channel as well on the Kotlin Slack, exchanging a lot of ideas and and feedback. So if anyone's interested, you should join that too. Yes. I've got you here asking you a million questions because, and, and I'm trying to ask the questions that a lot of times people ask me, right? So, you know, I'm sorry that I've put you on the complete and utter spot. But another thing that people often ask, and especially when we are outside of our bubble, wherever our bubble may be. But is, you know, what is the uptake of Android, of Kotlin on Android? You know, are are people using Kotlin on Android? I'm like, you know, two years ago, Google said it's uh, we're supporting Android. This year, they come out and say, yes, Android uh, Kotlin first. But still, people oftentimes are reluctant to adopt Kotlin. So do you have any kind of numbers or anything that you could share around what the adoption is in terms of Android?
1: Um i have some numbers for uh let's say that the top 1000 apps so here we looked at uh, the apps with most number of installs from uh, from the play store um and we're going around 40 plus percent of cotton of adoption
0: and it's growing year by year right yes yeah yeah, because I know that that number was uh, lower a few years ago, so it's yeah. good to see that it's growing. If it's declining, that's a problem. It's not declining; it's growing. It, everything's yeah. great, awesome. <laughs> and what about outside of Android? Uh,
1: outside of Android, I know that uh, there. Uh, I know a few few folks that use it on uh, on backend, and I know it's possible to use it on uh, on cloud. But, with Google Cloud, but uh, I'm hoping you can help uh, answer that question.
0: Yeah, I mean, from our side, we're getting a a massive increase of adoption outside of Android, right? Because it was initially, as everyone knows, except the person that is listening to this podcast for the first time, that Kotlin was never meant to be an Android uh, language, right? And and someone complained and we fixed the bug and, and look where we are now. So we were seeing growth in... In other areas, namely server side. And so and then of course Android shot up in terms of adoption and the server side continued to grow, but Android was growing much faster. But now we're starting to see a, a much higher increase in, in server side and outside of uh, server and an Android, namely, you know, even like desktop or some uh, JavaScript side, etc. And mm-hmm. I'm looking always at the numbers of, for example, Kotlin Conf attendees, right? And you're seeing that it went from like, I think the first Kotlin Conf was around 70% or so Android developers. And this isn't... Um, it isn't mutually exclusive, right? Because the way that we ask the question is like, what types of developments are you doing? And there's people that say Android and server-side, right? Mm-hmm. But we're starting to see that kind of equalize now as well, right? There's there's a ton of people that, that are doing server-side and we're seeing a, a whole bunch of uh, companies, big and small, that are... Adopting Kotlin on the server side outside of Android. And that leads me to one other thing that you and I can speak about a lot, of course, is Kotlin everywhere.
1: Uh, I was hoping you actually say uh, multi-platform. Um, what is
0: multi-platform? Sorry.
1: Kotlin <laughs> like native and, uh, and multi-platform in general.
0: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh, um but but yes, I mean multi platform, iOS native, Kotlin native, all of that is introduced. You know, a whole bunch of different types of development, and in fact, like there's a there's a company that that is developing that has shipped. Well, not just one. There's multiple companies that have shipped Kotlin multi platform applications, so entirely written in Kotlin on on Android, and then interop with iOS. Uh, I think it's called Kareem which is like kind of like the Uber of um, Dubai or Saudi Arabia. I can't remember one of the two.
1: I really so- like the, the, the promise that Kotlin Native brings for multi-platform. Like I've, I've seen and I've been in companies where um, we had exactly the same logic implemented on Android, on iOS, and on front-end. And it would have been so great to just have one library that all of these uh, platforms could, uh, could just use and not re-implement the wheel every time
0: yeah people though you know when you talk to them about the whole multi-platform projects and and code sharing sometimes they're reluctant they're kind of like no but you know i need to do a lot of ui and my business logic isn't that much but business logic doesn't necessarily mean like the actual business logic it means everything else that you just mentioned right all of the libraries all of the networking all of these things that potentially are exactly the same on multiple platforms and that's a hell of a lot of code in comparison to your your view model and and some interactions with uh, platform specific components.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I've I think I've been talking a lot about also uh, modularizing your app, and I think some of the modules that uh, developers can create while splitting their app um, are things that can be reused.
0: Yeah. So after we discuss multi platform projects, shame on you, Heidi, for not even. <laughs> bringing that up, I, I'm. I swear, I, I. I anyway. Kotlin everywhere. Yes. What was that all about?
1: Uh, um. So, you said that you know developers are starting to use Kotlin, and you were wondering, okay, are is everyone actually using Kotlin? Um, and the answer is not yet. But we want to help people that, uh, that indeed want to learn Kotlin. So, in order to do this, uh, we um, created Kotlin Everywhere, which is a um, series of community-led events. So this means that we are supporting uh, communities to create events where they can teach their communities or their developers uh, Kotlin, and uh, we call it Kotlin Everywhere because of how I don't know Kotlin can really be used on so many different platforms and languages and everywhere in the world so i know everywhere just felt very suited
0: yeah it's uh everywhere is you know whatever platform desktop ios javascript web anything anywhere you want to use kotlin you can use it and everywhere was the whole play on the on the word of let's try and get this everyone in the community in any location uh to to put on an event right and 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 to the you know just this was a uh, JetBrains and Google initiative that w- that we put together. And it's amazing how the community has embraced it. I mean, I think that going to the website the other day, I think that there's like, what, 200 plus, if not more events going yeah, actually, on. The
1: numbers. I took them before the meeting. Um, we have 250 plus uh, events submitted. Wow. Yeah, so out of these, uh, I think something like 70 already happened. But uh, what we wanted with Kotlin Ever is to have this series of events happening between Google I.O. and Kotlin Conf. Yeah. So that's why we said something like 15th of May until 1st of December. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this means that now we're just, let's say in August, there's still several months where developers can, uh, uh, can learn about Kotlin via Kotlin Everywhere events.
0: Yeah. And, and it's important, again, to emphasize that this is community-led events, right? That anybody can put on a Kotlin everywhere event. And the only kind of requirement, so to speak, is that it does cover multiple platforms when, when we're talking about Kotlin, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and general Kotlin. Uh, so, for example, I've been talking a lot about the Kotlin features that can just be applied on whatever platform you're, you're working on. Uh, but what we're trying to do also with these events is also to provide um, developers with help also um, offline, maybe not offline, but not in person necessarily, um, help to learn Kotlin. So for example, we have uh, several code labs on different areas of uh, of Kotlin um, for developers to do either at Kotlin Ever events or just at home if they want. We even created several new ones specifically for... Um, for kotlin ever or let's say launched at, in the context of kotlin everywhere.
0: yeah that is very true we uh, new code labs and are have been created and are continue to be created uh teaching people different things that you can do with kotlin
1: and it's also it's also part of what we see as uh, as going kotlin first on android it's like we really want to to support developers to learn kotlin also you'll see that in general the samples that we're building they're going to be uh, they are and they will be built in kotlin first and sometimes even kotlin only
0: so as a devrel on or well, the De- dev advocate on the android team what are the main things that people ping you about in terms of like wanting or needing
1: i think developers um don't know how to get started sometimes uh, so how to how do i get started with uh, with kotlin and um, the co- the question that you asked whether I should I just refactor my entire app to use Kotlin. So in terms of uh, how to get started, um, tests would be one way, but I feel like with tests you don't really get the the taste of the power of Kotlin or yeah. of idiomatic Kotlin. Yeah. Um, so I would say apart from playing around and doing different code labs and going to Kotlin ever events. Um, in production, I would say start uh, start small, start with, I don't know, um, several files that you're touching when you're modifying something else. But what we try to do also in our sample apps is make sure that things are, let's say, as atomic as possible. So, because you are changing code and chances are if you convert your, uh, uh, your code from, the Java programming programming language to Kotlin, then uh, you'll also have to do some, let's say idiomatic checks. So you are changing the code. So we're trying to ensure that these kind of like Kotlin specific changes are done maybe in a different commit than the commit that fixes a bug. So just to make things easy to review afterwards.
0: Yeah, Um, and that's a very good point. Uh, Because a lot of times also it's because that that's even in the context of converting. Sometimes people were asking me like, you know, I convert a a a file to Kotlin and I eliminate three other files and I lose track of what's happening in those other files. It's kind of like poof, vanish from VCS, right? So keeping this separate as well is actually a very good point.
1: Yeah, 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 and easy to easy to review in the end.
0: Yeah, who reviews? Yeah. Well right, I yeah.
1: Mean, in, in your team, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you do code reviews. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know, but I'm like, yeah. Do you actually like doing code reviews?
1: I do. I've learned so much through code reviews. So um last year at Kotlin Conf I talked about uh Plaid, a, a bigger sample app that we, we converted to Kotlin. Um so the app was initially developed by uh by one of my colleagues, Nick Butcher, and then together with uh with him and and two other colleagues we've been Um, let's say making it more modern in terms of architecture and also refactoring it to Kotlin, converting it to Kotlin. And I've been learning so much just through the comments that uh, my colleagues uh, were leaving or the comments that we were leaving to each other, like, hey, how about using this function or did you check out uh, this thing? Because this might help you make things better. And I think that's where I just got to my favorite Kotlin uh, feature, which is uh, all of the collection extension functions.
0: Yeah,
1: just, you yeah. made my life so easy. Thank you.
0: I, I mean, I think that it is easy to, it's it's good to learn things um, and it, it is definitely a good opportunity. I just, sometimes, I don't know, when I'm doing code reviews, because now I have to, it it just feels like, I, I think sometimes like the tooling could be better for code reviews. For me, it feels often that I don't get the bigger picture. You know, where we, code review is always about the scope is is very limited. You're, you're often focusing on one line or two, and it really sometimes makes it difficult to get the bigger picture. But maybe I just need to do more code reviews and, and shut up about it.
1: I think that's definitely true. And then it's easy to just get lost in the net. In the you have a typo in this uh, doc, in the Java doc, um, instead of focusing on the actual, I don't, know, I don't know, is this really happening on the background thread? Is this uh, going to, Create other issues in other parts of the app. I think that's true. In um, the same time, I think when we're talking about specifically on learning Kotlin, um, I think these help. So I've seen things like, I don't know, using uh, all of the scope functions better just by looking only local. Of course, you also have to look globally at the bigger picture. But um, yeah, I think that's a lot about the discipline that we have as, as developers.
0: Yeah. Just wonder if there's a, there's a better way to do it at some point. But anyway, And but talking about better uh, forms of writing Kotlin code and idiomatic Kotlin, it's good to mention also that one of the things that you put together yourself personally, kudos for that, was the refactoring to Kotlin hands-on lab, right?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, we tried to look there over, like, okay, what happens? How do I actually get started with Kotlin um, and go through the problem that so many developers have out there, like, of going from uh, from Java to kotlin and you know you're you're refactoring and you see your um, your id has done some magic there and you wonder why and what's all what's with all of those uh, exclamation marks and what do they mean so what we try to do in in this code lab is Um, to see what the automatic converter did and why, and also how to make it more idiomatic. And there we also try to give also a bit of of guidance of not just saying like, okay, make sure you get rid of the bang, bang, but rather, okay, think about nullability, think about what nullability means in the context of, of your application, because nullability should be meaningful. Yeah, so we try to combine best practices as well.
0: Yeah, and I, and I've reviewed that code lab. It's very good. Well done for that.
1: Thank you. Cool. And, uh, and sorry. And um, because we're thinking when we're thinking about Kotlin, um, we want to make sure that we're going outside our usual bubble. So uh, we actually didn't stop with the translation from just translating things to Kotlin. We also translated it to Chinese and uh, Brazilian Portuguese. So wow. uh, we. Uh, we had the original collab in english of course and then uh, we wanted to uh, to help developers from other countries or from countries where um maybe english is is, it's harder um yeah so uh, for example with Brazilian portuguese we actually work with one of our google developer experts uh, with two of our google developer experts from brazil to um to have this converted and make sure that it's i don't know as idiomatic as possible in Brazilian Portuguese.
0: Cool. So uh, what's next for you?
1: Oh, um, a bit of Cotton everywhere. Um I'll be going to actually to South America uh, to speak at a few Cotton Ever events. Uh, one of them is in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. Um, but then also going to uh, Santiago uh, in Chile at the Death Fest and also at another Cotton Ever event in Buenos Aires. Um, yeah, I feel like we, unfortunately we don't get to support communities really all over the world. So, you know, I'm trying to do a little bit my part of supporting South American communities in this case.
0: Yeah, definitely. And that's really cool. I mean, I I've done recently, I've done um, Southeast Asia. uh, But on my list of to do is definitely South America and also Africa, because I I would really love to go and people keep asking me and it's just it never seems to work out. Uh, But that's on my to do list.
1: Yeah, we. Um, it's amazing seeing all of these developers that uh, that want to organize Call to Never events, and I wish I could go in person to all of them and support them. Um, it's yeah, it's amazing to see their enthusiasm. Uh, but yeah, I wish we could, I know, clone me when needed, or do this, I know, transporter, automatic transporter thing that I don't need to fly between events. So we can really help developers all over the
0: world. Yeah. And save on, uh, CO2 emissions as well. Yeah. Although if the teletransporter was to use, emit CO2, then that we would have to. Okay. Never mind. Cool. <laughs> Sometimes I do go way off track. Don't I? The other day I had a thought I was drinking out of a plastic cup, not plastic, a uh, cardboard cup and. I, I, I put on my to-do list to find out if the waste and the, so the energy and the waste and the emissions that is generated by a plastic cup, cardboard cup, is greater or less than the water and the liquid and the detergent that is used to wash cups. And? I, I don't know. I haven't resolved it yet. It's on my to-do list. Like, do you know it? Because no. that will save me a lot of Googling.
1: No, I'm afraid not.
0: Okay, okay. Well, never mind. We'll we'll do an episode one day on that.
1: But maybe speaking of of, uh, of events, um, and of course I never events and traveling around the world. Um, I think what helped me at least to be able to go to the South American events is the fact that they're all happening uh, in the span of a week. Um, so that meant that I didn't have to go back and forth to South America um, too much. It didn't mean that it meant that I don't need to be away. From home uh, for a long time, so the fact that we were able to organize these three events uh, so close to each other really, really helped. So I would say, even if it's I know us or Google Developer Experts, for example, um, that can also speak at Every events as an event organizer, try to see if there are other events happening um, in maybe in the same country or in the same region uh, in a similar date, or try to communicate with. Uh, with folks from the same regions and see if you can group them, so you can make things easier for um, uh, for speakers, so they can go and 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 speak at multiple events in the same region.
0: Yeah, that's a very good point because and and oftentimes when people submit the events, they kind of set a date. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, when we're reviewing events, we look at those dates, right? And we, and we, it should maybe next time if we ever do this again, we should like put a set of range of debates or uh, of dates, or are your dates flexible kind of thing?
1: Yeah, maybe uh, well, our dates flexible because I see that some folks, for some, they already booked venues. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely impossible for them to move it. For some, we, we do get, uh, uh, event updates where organizers change the event date
0: yeah because i mean i again coming back to what i was saying like i would love to go to uh africa and and support some of these many communities because it really was overwhelming and and wonderful to see so many people in 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 this continent putting on events around kotlin yeah you know and and we don't get to dedicate enough time of our lives to them, and we should.
1: Right? Maybe we should also say that we're, me and Harry are not the only ones uh, speaking at Kotlin Never events. We have several folks from DevRel, both from JetBrains and from uh, from Google, that uh, uh, either spoke or, or are planning to speak at Kotlin Never events. Yes, for week.
0: sure. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, totally good point.
1: And also we're working... Uh, or we're trying to support as much as possible Google developer experts to speak at Kotlin events uh, in their region.
0: Yep. And again, going back to one other important thing, which is this is about the community and fostering the community within each region. So, you know, we shouldn't look at this just as putting on events, but also highlighting all of the people in your community, in your area that are working with Kotlin, getting to know each other, bringing them together and getting them to participate in these events, right? That's equally as important.
1: Yeah, and you know what are the, the the type of talks that i like best are the you know this is my war story this is how i did this uh, for my app uh so i like this kind of like sharing your own experience uh talks and for this you don't need to be at google or at jetbrains it's all about talking about what you did and it's about what you've learned and what were the steps that you took to learn those things
0: and many times it's even way more interesting right because i mean at least from our side on the kotlin team we really want to hear about other people's experiences, right? And how they're using the product. Yeah. So those are even more valuable. Cool. Well, we're running out. Well, we're running out. We've run out of time. uh, But it's awesome chatting with you always, Florina. So um, we're just letting this roll. But thanks for coming on. And I do hope that I know that you've forgotten to mention it. uh, But just in case you do forget, you also do have a workshop and a talk at Kotlin Conf. So please don't forget to come to that.
1: Yes. Um, I won't and please, uh, yeah, folks can register already for the workshops, right?
0: Yes, yes, yes. There's, we, there, we still have some, uh, places left for the workshop actually, but if, if they're interested, they should register really quick. Cause I've got a good feeling that that's going to sell out.
1: If you're curious what we're covering in the workshop, cause it's a full day workshop, check it out. It's all in the abstract. And I think it might be interesting to see what we're composing for that workshop.
0: Hmm. Well, don't forget your jetpack. <laughs> okay, I will see you at Kotlinkov if not before.
1: See you. Thanks for having me. Hi.
0: Take care.